Welcome to Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which is short for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at Indy Nickerson on Twitter, or you can find me at, at Romancing Nancy on Twitter if you'd prefer either of those things. I don't spend a lot of time at the second one, but I spend a whole hell of a lot of time at the first one. This week's episode, we are picking up with the first in a trilogy that is going to fucking destroy me, as I believe we've established. <laughs> We're going to pick up with the Nancy Drew Files number 8. This one's called Two Points to Murder. Because it's going to murder every part of you, is what it's here for. It's the first... And, oh, God. Um, this is the book where Nancy and Ned break up. It hurts me so much. It hurts me so much. And... I wish that I were actually, like, legit joking about that, but I'm really not, because it's, uh, it does a lot. It, it's, it's just real, real bad. It's just real bad, y'all. When part of your personality is defined by a relationship between two fictional people, and they break up, like, what is the world about at that point? The premise of this one and I've fucking noticed this recently, like, having read these books and having to discuss them the way I'm doing right now. A lot of the early Nancy Drew files deal with fucking sports, which kind of makes sense because that's how you draw George into anything. Like, that's why they were playing tennis in that one. That explains the whitewater rafting from the beginning of this season. Like, if you want George to be there, there you go. Like, with Bess, it's going to be shopping. <laughs> but with George, it's going to be sports. Although this one involves sports because Ned is playing a sport, not because George is. Nancy, Bess, and George are on their way to Emerson because um, Coach Burnett, who coaches the basketball team, yes, um, has called Nancy in because the team is experiencing these weird practical jokes that he is not a fan of, and he wants Nancy to get to the bottom of it because he's called in campus security, and they're like, yeah, we can't find anything, and also we have better things to do because somebody is beating up students, and we kind of need to take care of that problem, and the coach is like, but we have feelings too, and I'm like, you're an entitled prick, it's fine. <laughs> coach Burnett is not actually that bad, but like, seriously, like, kids are getting beat up, and you're like, but also, somebody's being mean to some other people, but anyway, so yeah, that's why Nancy's there, um, as we've established, I know fuck all about sports, so the important thing about these games is that Emerson needs to win their next three games, and then they will be in the NCAA, she said, question mark, um, which is a sports playoff thing, like, you can tell that I'm so deeply invested in sports, holy shit, I couldn't be less invested in sports, um, so yeah, they need to win the next three games and then they'll get into the NCAA championship. So it's like they'll win their division title, question mark. It's fine. Yeah. Ned is co-captain of the team. And in the book, he says that he's known Mike for two years and Mike is a senior. And so that would make Ned a junior. Um, yeah, like I've, I've got a bunch of questions like, Ned's never going to graduate. Like, you just need to accept that. Just hold that in your heart and know it that even though time seems to pass, no time passes. We are stuck in a snow globe. So it only matters for my own personal reasons. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, Nancy, Bess, and George pull up at the school. And George, of course, is excited because sports. And Bess, of course, is excited because boys. And Nancy is like, Ned, except for that... Oddly enough, his name is not mentioned until page five, even they're on the, they're on the way to fucking Emerson, and the whole point is because Ned's a student there, like, that's, that's how Coach Burnett knows about Nancy, like, cause, yeah, so, fuck, but she mentions that, well, Ned's been, like, his letters have not been as personal, and I love, I love to every corner of my terrible heart that Ned actually takes the time to write Nancy fucking letters and in this year of our Lord 1986 or 7 um, that his letters have not been as loving and personal as she has come to expect and their phone calls have not been the marathons that her father has come to expect when he opens up that long distance phone bill 
Um, so she's feeling a little weird and she's hoping that they can reconnect on this trip. And this is the first trip that she's actually taking out to Emerson during the files. Like clearly that's going to happen a whole hell of a lot, but this is the first time she does it in the files. So they're heading there. She's so distracted by thinking about the case and know that she actually like passes the main entrance after they've gone through Emersonville, which is the closest college town to Emerson, which actually has no significance for this book that comes up later and other things. Anyway. So they go to campus, they go to the sports complex, and Ned's in there doing a scrimmage, she said, question mark, with the team members for practice reasons, IDK, I don't know if they split into like shirts and skins and did some shit, I don't know. Anyway, it's basketball, it's snowy outside, um, yeah, Nancy walks in and Ned doesn't notice her immediately, like he's, he's playing hardcore basketball, y'all. But he sees her, and then he comes over, and he's like, hey, and Nancy's like, hi, because she's expecting, like, something like, hey, gorgeous, or a hug, even though he is sweaty, which she takes the time to actually point out. <laughs> she's like, he's sweaty, but a hug would not be unwelcome, or a kiss, but he's he's just like, oh, hey, y'all. So here's the coach, and Nancy's like, cool, so this is setting the tone for how we're going to be playing this, okay, okay. So the coach is like, yeah, we've been having weird things happen, and we'd love for you to get to the bottom of it, and blah, blah, and Nancy's like, I'm here for it, and also Ned, so it's going to be great. Um, They have a game that night. Yeah, there's three games in this one. Like, the third game, of course, is going to be near the end, because it's going to be the penultimate game, which, of course, you're like, oh, so they're going to win the other two. Of course they are. Hello? <laughs> The rules of physics don't apply here. Um, so yeah. Uh, they stop the practice and then they go to the locker rooms and Coach Burnett and Dr. Riggs, who is the team physician, is um, they're both talking to Nancy about what's been happening and all of a sudden they hear shouting and one of the players is like, oh my god, apparently one of us has hanged himself, which... He was like, I, I just heard that uh, somebody hanged himself. Except for I think he says hung, and it doesn't matter. It's fine. Anyway, they go into the main part of the gym, and there is an a figure hanging from one of the basketball goals. And I'm like, um, hi. This is real, real bad. Um, it turns out to be an effigy, so it's not an actual human being. Um... Yes, I know you've got PTSD from the time that Nancy accidentally killed somebody. I'm going to say that it was an accident. Um, yeah, no, it's it's like an effigy just hanging there with one of the Emerson basketball uniforms on it. Just to just drill things in. And there's a note that's pinned to the test. It's like, Death to the Wildcats, which is the name of their mascot. And it's like incredibly cheesy, but also they're like, this is bad. And Nancy's like who the fuck would do this? And then she's like, whose, whose uniform is this? And the coach is like, oh, this isn't an actual uniform. This is one that they sell in the bookstore, like, is like a souvenir or whatever the fuck. So there's no tracking it down that way. And Nancy's like, okay. And like, it's constructed out of like long underwear and a pillowcase. So, eh, I mean, there's just not a lot to track down there. Like standard rope. She doesn't have a CSI team at her disposal. It's 1987. So anyway, but the the team members are like, this is bad. Like, it, it feels like a, somebody mentioned Macbeth. So <laughs> they just ain't here for it. Um, they go to the game that night. Um, Ned invites Nancy to go over to Emerson, go to Omega Chai at Emerson. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. The name of his fraternity is Omega Chai is how I always say it. It is probably Omega Chai. I don't care. It's all it's C H I, and my head is always chai. So fuck you. It's pronounced like the T. Fuck it. Anyway, um, yes. So Ned's like, oh well, we're gonna have a party at the frat after. If you'd like to come, and Nancy's like, sure, that sounds great. And also, side note, as you know, in the original mystery stories, Nancy is actually allowed to stay at the fraternity house. Which, of course, the first time I read that, I was like, first off, wow. Second. Why did we not do this in the files? Because I have a lot of plans for how that scenario might have worked. But anyway, um, yeah, so they're actually staying in a different dorm 
um, like, in a VIP suite, because I was like, um, customarily colleges, like, fill up their dorms with students, and you just don't have random rooms laying around unless you've had, like, a, a lot of weird stuff happen, a lot of students just decide that this is not the thing for them and go home, um, but no, they've got some sort of VIP suite that Nancy, Bess, and George are gonna be staying in, so cool, 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 um, yeah, Ned takes them over there before the game starts, and Nancy's like, yeah, we, we're gonna hang out, okay, side note, all of their interactions in this book, there's, like, two times that it's, two or three times that it's actually sweet, and the rest of it, it's, like, weird and contentious, and it's, like, they're married, and in the midst of a separation that they know is going to end a divorce, it's just, like, real, real bad, like, like, awkward, and just cringy, and bad, so anyway, um, yeah, they drop off their shit, they go to the game, um, one of the things that's happened before the previous game is, like, somebody threw a smoke bomb into the locker room during halftime, and so, like, that was bad, um, let me think, something weird happens at each game, one time it's that the mask, no, I think this might be the one where the mascot screams, okay, well, we're gonna pretend that's what happens here, it's fine, um, the, the team mascot is a wildcat, of course, and, like, at one point in the game, like, they hear the scream, and they look over, and the, the mascot's unif, like, costume has been slashed to ribbons, but she's wearing it, and I was like, who puts on the costume and is like, cool, and then walks out and then screams, I've got questions, it's fine, it, it doesn't fucking matter, anyway, um, so, of course, the team members are like, this is bad, like, immediately, and Nancy's like, okay, so did you see anybody? Where where did you keep your costume? And she's like, it was in the cheerleader's locker room, and I didn't see anybody, and I don't know. Earlier, Nancy went to the, she had Bess and George go check things out. She was like, are all the exits and entrances, like, accounted for? Is there a logbook? Did anybody else log in? And yeah, all the, everything seems to be locked. There's one way to get in, and there's a security guard there, and like, all the check-ins are for Emerson students, so she's like, okay, so it's most likely a member of the team that's doing this. It's got to be an Emerson student or a member of the team, because there's, there doesn't seem to be any other explanation. Ooh, um, when they were heading in that night to go to the game, they see that there's some protests going on outside, which of course, ooh, um, so Nancy looks over, and it's this guy who actually looks pretty cute, but he's like, the the uh, trustees need to cut the budget for the sports programs because they're it's just too much money and they're just shit. And Nancy's like, what the, what? No. And actually, George is the one who just loses her mind. She's like, what are you talking about? Like, no, it's expensive to run sports programs. They need the money. Fuck you. And the guy's like, no, they don't. And and there is just all sorts of bad stuff is happening, and they're paying people off, and Nancy's like, hold up, what? And the guy's like, you should talk to the coach, and Nancy's like, I am talking to the coach, and he's like, the the guy who's being a dick is like, why are you so defensive about the team? And Nancy's like, because I'm dating Ned Nickerson, and he's like, the big Nick, and I'm like, tell me that this is the euphemism that he has for his dick. Oh my god, yes. Oh my god, yes. Which, honestly, I have thrown into stories before where it's not only Ned, it's also everybody in his fraternity house refers to it as the big <laughs> I'm dying. Anyway, um, so yeah. So he's like, oh, you're dating the big Nick. And again, I love every part of this that Nancy does not immediately blink and go, you've heard of it as well, but it, it's okay. A girl can dream. Um, It's fine. She's like, you know, Ned's a, a great guy, and there's nothing untoward going on, like, Coach Burnett's a really stand-up guy, and the guy who is named Tom is like, well, there's some fishy shit going on, and the trustees, like, he's taking their money, and blah, blah, and Nancy's like, you just need to shut the fuck up, and apparently this guy is like the fucking student class president, or some shit, anyway, 
um, he's like, do you want to sign this petition? And Nancy's like, it's got like six names on it, so I am not feeling it. Also, will there be a sticker involved? Because that is how you get me to sign shit. But no, anyway. Um, so yeah, she sees him at the game, the, the douchebag who was like, but all y'all suck. And she's like, why would he even bother being here if he hates him so much? But it's fine. Because again, like they're gonna be division champions. I don't know what the fuck anyway. It's fine. Um, yeah. They're, they win the game. Um, I think it's against St. George. Again, it doesn't fucking matter because Emerson is not real, so it doesn't matter. Also, I love that St. George is represented by a dragon. It's fine. Whatever. Um, yeah, they win the game. Um, they go back to the fraternity house and Ned is introducing Nancy to everybody and... So she meets Andy, who is a, I don't fucking know, point guard. I don't know what any of the positions do. They are people with a basketball who do shit. That is what I know. Anyway, I think he's a point guard and he works with Craig, who is also a point guard. How many point guards does a single team need is my question. And then he... Um, Ned introduces Nancy to Howie Little, who is like seven foot one and very black and is like, from up here, it looks like he got a cute little girlfriend. Like he's, he's cute. It's nice. Anyway. Um, and he's something, something. He does sports things. It's fine. Because Nancy notices that when she goes to see Ned, who is like six foot two, like he almost seems short out there on the basketball team because apparently they just have harvested the tallest men possible from all corners of the nation to come here. Um, also, at the party, like Beth starts flirting with Craig, who Nancy was introduced to, and um, she's like, yeah, he he's just super hot. And have you seen how stylish he is? And Nancy's like, uh, and she looks over and she's like oh yeah he is wearing like an actual like I think he's wearing like Gucci loafers which first off I love that she recognizes that and second I love that Nancy is also secretly Elle Woods like just let her own that it's fine it makes all kinds of sense she has a rich father she loves fashion She enjoys using legal jargon in everyday life. It's fine. Um, anyway, so she notices that and also that the other people that had been pointed out to her were also dressed nicely. Like, um, Craig is dressed nicely. Andy's dressed nicely. Mike is dressed nicely. Like, she even says, like, Italian, blah, blah. Again, I'm the least fashionable of anyone you know. Um, it's fine. And Nancy's like, huh, that's funny. And also during the party, Ned's like, Nancy, come over here. I need to, I need to tell you something. And Nancy's like, oh, okay. So they go sit down and he hands her a box with a pink ribbon around it. And she's like, oh, what's this for? And he's like, it's because I missed you. And she opens the box and it's like this beautiful silver bracelet. And she's like, oh my God, you shouldn't have. And Ned's like, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I really love you and, and I missed you a lot. And Nancy's like, that is so sweet. And then they start making out and you're like, this is exactly how this book should have been from the beginning to end. She's at Emerson. Y'all need to be banging it out. Like, hello. But anyway, so of course, the everyone comes over and they're like, hey, stop making out. And I'm like, it's a fucking frat party. Like, side note, asterisk, there's no fucking liquor at this party either. It's as though they got sanctioned last year for just some off-the-wall shit, and now they ain't allowed to have liquor in this building. But... Of course, it's also a Nancy Drew book. Like, we can't have Nancy getting lit. That would be bad. I would love it. But it would apparently be bad. Anyway. So, um, they're dancing. Nancy hears Ned's favorite song. And so she pulls him out onto the dance floor. And they dance some more. And this is, like, the happiest that they're going to be for this entire fucking thing. Like, because later at the party is when all the shit hits the fan. Like, and just doesn't stop for the rest of the book. Um... Nancy goes upstairs because she needs to use the bathroom and there's a line and she like is just opening random doors as one does and she opens the door and she sees a picture of Ned and Mike on the wall and she's like oh this isn't Ned's room I know where Ned's room is and again the light bulb went off in my head and I was like of course you know where Ned's room is of course you do anyway um 
so she looks around and she's like, oh, this must be Mike's room. And she sees a box on the floor that has the exact same shit that that effigy was made out of. It's like there's packing chips, like styrofoam chips. And there's half a pillowcase, which is what the head was made out of. And like scraps of material. And Nancy's like, this is the leftover shit from the effigy. Oh, shit. And then Ned walks in almost immediately and it's like, Nancy, what are you doing in here in Mike's room? And Nancy's like, uh, I just found a box full of evidence. And Ned's like, what are you talking about? And Nancy's like, look, it's, it's got packing chips. It's got the other half of the pillowcase that the effigy's head was made out of. Like, this is, I, I think that maybe Mike is the practical joker. This is what they're calling the person who's doing all this shit at this point. And Ned's like, no. And Nancy says, then why is this box in here? And Ned's like, okay, clearly someone's just, like, trying to frame him. And Nancy's like, and they wanted to do that by putting this box in his room where nobody would find it unless they walked in here. And Ned's like, look, I don't know why it's in here. It's packing material. Like, I don't know. It, but it's not him. And Nancy's like, okay can you give me any plausible explanation why the exact same stuff that you would need to make the effigy would be in his room? And that's like, I I don't know. I just know that he didn't do it. And Nancy's like, oh, okay. Uh, respectfully disagree. And so like, he will not hear her. And she is like, I, I have to pursue this. And he's like, no. He says, if you're going to, then you can do it without me. And Nancy's like, I I don't I don't understand and that's like look trust me he didn't do this so just drop it find out who actually did so yeah there and that that's actually the main conflict for the rest of this thing Nancy's trying to find out who the practical joker is like almost immediately she finds that evidence and that's like no it's somebody else find out who it is and she's like what I sincerely don't fucking understand. Um, then at the party, this guy walks in and that's like, I can't believe that dick head is here. And Nancy's like, who would that be? And his name is Ray and he was on the team, but he got cut for low grades and he's like sworn that he hates everybody that's on the team and like, he's just being an asshole about it. And so he walks in and he's like, who's this? Is this your little lady? And it's like, yeah, this is Nancy. And he makes some crack about her being a detective and, and like, is just generally a dick. And everybody's like, why don't you leave? And he's like, I guess I will. And just flaunts out. So, yeah, it's just like, yeah, from this point on, it's just total shit. You just need to accept that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This also feels like a good place to stop. So when we come back, we'll talk about the next game. Alright, we're back. You know I love to talk fashion on these covers. Um, The front cover of this book actually features the fucking effigy we've been discussing hanging from a basketball hoop, actually, with no net, which feels a little weird, but that's okay. Also, the effigy is wearing tennis shoes, which is not a thing that happened in the book, but it's fine. Um, Nancy is wearing this utterly adorable emerald green, like, sweater outfit. So she's got, like, it's exactly matching, like, this sweater and skirt combo with pearls, including a pearl ring that she wears absolutely nowhere in this book. Like, that's not a thing, but she looks really cute. She's also, like, got her hand near her mouth like she's nervous or worried about something, which makes all kinds of sense. And her hair looks incredibly red, like, the lightest possible touch of blonde in it. Um, in the, like, middle ground, we have a guy who's probably supposed to be Coach Burnett. So, just for clarification, um, okay. So, after Nancy and Ned have had that fight, and they go back to their room, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's one way this scene could have ended. Um, Nancy, Bess, and George go back to their room, because, of course, they're not staying in the Omega house, because then, oh my god, Nancy and Ned might bang. Anyway, um, so Nancy's still feeling unsettled about what happened with Ned, and she tells uh, Bess and George about it, and they're like, well, I hope you can work things out, and Nancy's like, yeah, me too. Um, so she stays outside to just, you know, think about shit, as one does, and then Bess comes, like, screaming back out, and she's like, we have to go home right now, 
And Nancy's like, it's like two o'clock in the fucking morning. What do you mean we have to go home right now? And Bess is like, come see. And somebody has vandalized their room. Um, they actually painted it in red paint on the window, go home, Drew. And like trashed the room, basically. Just like strewed their clothes everywhere, turned over chairs, you know, the usual. And so Nancy's like, fuck it. Like literally before this point, she was like, is it even worth it for me to continue pursuing this? Because it was so fraught when she was talking to Ned like she's like I don't even know if I should even stay here and continue this shit but when she sees that she's like oh hell no oh I'm gonna find who's behind this cause bitch you gone too far and they have to call in campus security and um you know get the dorm mother to get some turpentine and all this shit but anyway so yeah, it's it's pretty weird. It's just not going great. So Nancy thinks about it and she's like, okay, I've got three suspects. I've got Ray, who was cut from the team, and so maybe he's just trying to get back at them by pulling pranks. I've got Tom, who thinks that sports is just stupid as shit and the money should be spent on books. And I've got Mike, who I'm not allowed to think about <laughs> in any way. So... That's what who she decides to focus on. She's like, these are the three people that I've got identified so far who might have a reason that they'd want to go after the team. Because, again, she it needs to be somebody at Emerson, based on what she's seen. Um, she does decide to test out a theory to see if it is possible to sneak into the building. Because, of course, Nancy's not an Emerson student, and so she actually figures out that she can do that, but that doesn't happen yet. Um, let me think... I think this is, there's a time in here where Nancy and Ned decide that they're going to go on a date and they go to a movie, which she says is terrible, and then they go to a pizza place, which is terrible, and they're just kind of staring at each other, and they have, like, a nice moment where she's telling him about, like, oh, this is what I've discovered about the case so far, and Ned's like, that's great, and he's like, so you've stopped thinking about Mike, and Nancy's like, no... Because here's the thing, and she thought about this the night of the party when she saw the guys wearing, like, really expensive clothes and everything. She was like, they're scholarship students. Emerson's private. They're on scholarship. They're on, like, sports scholarship. So the people that she saw that were dressed up, so Mike was dressed up. Andy was dressed up. Craig was dressed up. And she's like, Ned was dressed up too, but Ned also has affluent parents who have multiple homes. Like... <laughs> Let me just drill that in here. Like, the book he's trying to prevent, present Ned as middle class. And I'm like, uh, we're talking, like, upper middle, but it's fine. Um, cool. So, yeah. She looked him up, and she's like, they're scholarship students, and they're dressing this way. Like, is it possible that maybe somebody has been paying somebody on the team to do these pranks? And that's like, no, they would never do that. That's... Just put that out of your head. Nancy's like, oh, okay, okay. Um, because another thing that happens is she sees Tom before the next game, and Tom's like, ask your boyfriend about where he's getting all of his money from. Like, with the implication that the trustees are, or someone at the college is paying Ned to play sports there. And other members of the team. That it's, and the weird thing is, like, based on recent, like, NCAA shit, like, the whole question of should college athletes be compensated for their work and him being so firmly in the, no, they should never be compensated. Not a penny should change hands. Like that's, that's absolute bullshit. The, the scholarships are enough. Like I don't agree with that stance. And so it's kind of weird to me that somebody who is out there actually like picketing and getting people to sign something is like, and we're going to make sure they don't get a damn bit of money. Like there's, a lot of people outside waiting to get into that game. This is not like some like town in the middle of nowhere with a sports team. Like these are people who are hardcore into it. Like the place is packed. They're making money. The players aren't seeing it. But anyway. So, uh that game actually that game is an away game. Um because the one in the middle is an away game. So, um, they go on the team bus to, it's like a two hour drive and, um, 
Nancy's like, oh, is Mike going to be on the bus? And Ned's like, no, he decided to drive separately because he wanted to think about some things. Um, also, Mike has a girlfriend named Jan Teller who Nancy meets at the party who she's never seen before because Nancy's never met Ned's best friend before because what the fuck? Like, there's, I've got some timeline questions. Ned's like, I've known Mike for two years. And I'm like, okay, if Mike's your best friend and you've known him for two years and he's here at Emerson with you and Nancy has visited Emerson before kind of like she says like oh help me find the sports complex like she's not sure where it is like there's some weird timeline shit happening like if you went by original mystery stories timeline like yeah Nancy met Ned when he was a student at Emerson so you could say that maybe they've only known each other like less than a year at this point but that doesn't match a lot of other stuff there's there's um like Nancy and Ned meet before she graduates from high school in another book so yeah all kinds of weird timeline shit anyway um yeah yeah anyway um on the way there um somebody refers to Howie as socks and Nancy's like pourquoi and Howie's like oh yeah because of my lucky socks and then while they're on the bus, he's going through his duffel bag, and he's like, somebody took my lucky socks, and of course, everybody on the bus is like, oh my god, this is bad, like, <laughs> everything that happens, they're not like, it's okay, we can get through this, they're like, this is bad, so, yeah, and then a black Camaro pulls up next to the bus that they're traveling in, and the driver, or someone in the black Camaro, actually takes out a pistol, and shoots out one of the tires on the van, on the bus that they're traveling in. And so, of course, the bus has a flat tire, it swerves around, almost tips over, they go over to the side of the road, they have to wait for another bus to show up to take them, they end up, like, getting there right before the game's supposed to start. So, they're rattled, in other words. Um, Nancy has previously seen the Black Camaro because she was... She was heading back to, I think it was her, the building where they're staying, and she saw somebody, like, run out of the dorm, get into a black Camaro, and almost run her down, actually. Like, she, it says that she dives for the pavement, like, she's diving into a pool, but she rolls at the end of it, and I'm like, I've seen people dive, and if you dive at pavement, like, you're diving in a pool, I feel that this would result in paralysis, but okay. Um, Anyway, so she can't make out the license plate. She just knows that it's a black Camaro with, like, tinted windows and, like, wire hubcaps is what she notices about it because, of course, she does. Um, and then she she thinks that the person was trying to run her down, but then she hears sirens, and it turns out that somebody has been just beat the fuck up in that building. And that's the person that was trying to run her down wasn't actually trying to. He was just trying to get away from the scene because he had just beat the shit out of somebody. So, Nancy tells the cops what she saw. Actually, the person who got beat up, like, refuses to give any sort of description whatsoever. Um, he's like, oh, yeah, I didn't see who hit me. And Nancy's like, I saw him. And the cops are like, oh, really? Tell us everything. Um, let me think. Another thing that happens, and I don't have the timeline straight, and it doesn't really fucking matter. Um, Nancy has to call somebody using a payphone. <laughs> Because it's 1987 and she goes to the student union and there's a payphone there and she sees this cute guy go into the phone booth and call somebody. She doesn't get the number and the person says, hey, this is Captain Hook. And of course, Nancy's ears perk up because she's like, if we're using pseudonyms, please know that I'm here for it. So he's like, yeah, I want to get a uh, something and something something and frank and something something and okay oh frank will frank will cover me frank i don't fucking know it's fine i'm gonna just cut to the chase here um he's placing a sports bet and using sports bet slang for it which i'm not that person so anyway sport betting just betting on sport um yeah and he's like tonight's game yeah um, he leaves a slip of paper behind, which, of course, Nancy just kind of pockets. Um, she calls Ned, and Ned seems kind of distant and weird. And Anyway, um, so she's distracted, and she puts the slip of paper into her pocket and just kind of lets it go because, you know, she's got more important things in her mind, and they involve Ned and the fact that they are not banging because of reasons. Anyway, so, yeah. 
they go to the game. Um, they're kind of shaken up over everything because of the bus tire being shot out, which um, the driver didn't see the Camaro and thought that just the tire naturally exploded, as as a tire does. Like, tires just do that. It's fine. Um, but Nancy tells Ned and Bess and George what she saw, and Ned's like, oh, well, who could it have been? And Nancy's like, well, it could have been Tom, could have been Ray, I guess. And so Ned's excited because, of course, it's not Mike. Like, Nancy's really careful to not mention Mike. Real, real careful. Real, real, real careful. Um. Anyway, it's fine. Even though, again, Mike is not on the bus. And so Nancy's like, please know that I noticed that. I need you to know. Anyway. So, yeah. Eventually, they find out that Tom was at a debate at another college at the time that the tire was shot out. So it couldn't have been him. Um... When Nancy goes by the next day, she finds Ned reviewing footage of the game, and she sees Ray in the crowd, and so she's like, oh, Ray was at the game. That means that he could have, and then she sees that Ray's actually cheering for Emerson. And of course, at the first time when she's like, oh my god, he was there, he, could've, he did this, he did this, and Ned's like, yes, he did this, and he hugs Nancy, and everything's good again, and Nancy's like... But he's cheering for Emerson, and Ned's like, that doesn't prove anything. And Nancy's like, we also don't have proof that he did this. It's just that he was there. And he's also cheering for the team. Like, you would expect that if he's been pulling practical jokes, that he would not be cheering for the team. And Ned's like, again, maybe he's just a really good actor. Like, he's just been a dick. Why can't you just accept this? And Nancy's like, seriously, like, the best evidence that I fucking have is against Mike. And Ned's just like... Uh, and she even apologizes at one point, which uh, there's there's just a lot of emotional shit going on. This is kind of like toxic where she's like, I just wanted to apologize. I was being a jerk. And it's like, great. I, I accept your apology. Like, so you're not going after Mike. And Nancy's like, no, I'm I've still got him on the list. And it's like, then you're not really apologizing. And Nancy's like, look, I just uh, I, I'm sorry that I ever took this case. Like, the people at the party are like, oh, you know, we we haven't met your girlfriend. You always complain about her not being around. And that's like, yeah, Nancy's like, oh, shit, I feel really shitty now. Because she's like, yeah, I do spend a lot of time on cases and not up here visiting Ned to the point that some of them have never met me. So that's cool. Anyway, so that's the second game. They win the second game, Um, of course. The book makes a big deal about telling you that they are within, like, X number of points or whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. They Emerson wins the game, wins the first one, wins the second one, so now it's down to the third one. So, Nancy decides that she wants to figure out if she can sneak into the um, sports complex just to see if it's possible. Because, again, if it is, then that means that it's not necessarily somebody from Emerson who's doing all this. So... She does actually manage to sneak in, like, right before it closes. She hides in the women's locker room, and because the security guards are guys, they don't really check it out, which, again, interesting thing to point out, book. Um, And then she decides to start poking around. She goes into the men's locker room, and she finds Mike's locker, and she picks the lock on it and finds just normal, everyday locker room shit, along with an envelope with $2,000 in cash. (laughs) It's got a list on the outside of opponents that Emerson has gone up against with negative numbers written next to it, like just a series of negative numbers. And she looks at it and she's like, huh. And then she hears something like before that point, she had passed an office that had a light on and she had just like hurried past it because she didn't want anybody to notice that she was in there. But she hears something. And so she runs to hide somewhere and she ends up in the sauna in the men's locker room. So, um, she hides in there, she hears some weird, like, bumping or scraping noises and thinks that maybe the janitor's in there cleaning up the floor, and you're like, (laughs) there's no way. Um, the lights go off, she goes over to the door to open it, and she can't because the door's been jammed shut because there's a bunch of, like, lockers, apparently, that were right next to it that somebody has just legit taken and just shoved up against the sauna door. So, they managed to lock it, and they also turned on the sauna and cranked it up as high as it would possibly go. So, Nancy's stuck inside, and she's like, I'm I'm going to dine here. Um, she's wearing a sweater and boots and jeans, and like, anyway. 
So she can't figure out a way out. She's looking around the room. There's like nothing. There's nothing really for her to do anything with to get out of there. And she actually thinks bitterly to herself, yeah, when they find my body in the morning, when I'm done medium well, Ned's going to feel sorry for this. (laughs) And then like her actual like conscious brain takes over and is like, you need to get the fuck out of this room. And so she thinks about it and eventually what she does and I was like, okay, so I'm, if I'm ever stuck in a sauna, I'll have to figure how to out how to do this. She turns on the light in the sauna. She unscrews the light bulb. She takes a silver pin that her father gave her. By this point, she's stripped down to her underwear. She takes a silver pin that her father gave her, wraps a leather belt around it to hold it by so that she doesn't electrocute herself, and she jams the pin up into the light socket until she blows the the breaker for the sauna and the heat kicks off so she's like oh thank god but it's still like roasting in there because of course there's all that heat in there and it's not really escaping that quickly so she manages to pry up one of the boards that is in the seat in the sauna and she breaks the window and the sauna door and manages to use the piece of wood to push the lockers out of the way and she gets out that way so yeah, good times. Now you know, if you're ever stuck in a sauna, make sure you've got a leather belt with you. Because <laughs> that's the only way you're getting out of there. Okay, so our three suspects are Tom, the student body president who hates all sports and was at a debate team meeting that night, so he it can't be him. We have Ray, who was cheering on the team during the game that Nancy saw him on the tape for, who also... Nancy figured out actually likes to go to the shooting range they have in the basement of the sports complex because he actually like pulls her in there and I can't remember if he actually points a gun at I think he actually does point a gun at her and she's like don't fucking play with guns you dipshit he's like it's no loader and she's like I legit do not give a fuck do not point a fucking gun at me um she doesn't say fuck um, she runs into Ray again, and he's actually in the library because she goes in there to, to think about shit, as one does, and she sees him in there studying, and he's like, oh, are you here to give me a raft of shit? And she's like, well, why would I be here to give you a raft of shit? Just, can you just calm down a titch? And he's like, well, I'm trying to get my grades back up so I can get back on the team, and Nancy's like, I thought you hated the team, and he's like, no. She says, I thought you hated the coach, and he's like, I don't hate the coach. He had to, he had to cut me from the team. Like, my GPA was too low. And Nancy's like, so why are you constantly being a dick to them? And he's like, because I don't want their pity. And I want to earn my place back on the team. And I just, it was easier that way. And she was like, okay, so it's not that you hate them. It's just that that was the easiest way for you to kind of deal with what you were going through. And he's like, pretty much, yeah. So that leaves Mike. And so Nancy's got the envelope and she's got the effigy building materials (laughs) and so she's like okay screw it I'm gonna go to him and I'm going to confront him with what I know so let me think yeah okay so she goes to the Omega house she finds Mike alone in a room and he's just I don't I don't know what the fuck he's doing anyway a crossword puzzle or some Sudoku, even though that was not a thing in the United States at that time. Or possibly some Mario Kart. Anyway, um, she walks in and she's like, Mike, I know what you've been up to, so just get it off your chest. And Mike's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Nancy's like, I found $2,000 in your locker with this. We both know what you've been up to. And Mike's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Nancy's like, I know that you've been involved in some stuff. Just get it off your chest. And Mike's like... I don't know what you're talking about. And Nancy's like, look, I'm worried about you. Your girlfriend, who I literally just ran into on the front steps, thinks that you're distracted and moody and that, like, you've always loved basketball, but you're being super weird now. Like, she's upset for you. We are all upset for you. This is an intervention of me. So just tell me what's going on. And Mike's like, Jan, Jan's upset. And Nancy's like, yeah, she's upset. Like, you're a good person. Just tell me what's going on. And Mike's like, 
I'm, I'm gonna deal with this. Thank you, Nancy. And he just gets up and leaves. And she's like, what the fuck? Because she still doesn't know what the numbers mean. And to be honest, even though I've read this book multiple times, I can't tell you what the numbers mean because I don't, I don't know. It's fine. Anyway, so she still has no real proof because like Ned keeps throwing at her, even though you've got evidence, you've got no motive. And it's true. Like she can't figure out why he would be sabotaging his own team. He's the co-captain. He's a senior. This is his last season playing with that team. Like, why the fuck would he do anything to jeopardize their chances of going to the championship? Like, this is what scouts look for, one supposes. Like, it's, it just doesn't make any sense at all. She just can't figure it out. Um, in the meantime, another student has been beaten up, and um, this is actually... Like, right after she leaves, after Mike has left, she leaves the Omega house and then sees cops. And it's the guy that she saw on the phone who said that he was Captain Hook. Um, He's on the ground and he's been beaten up. And the cops are like, yeah, he won't say who did it. And Nancy's like, Mike just left here and now this guy's had the shit beat out of him. Like, and she's trying to figure it out. She's like, maybe... It's possible he did this, but he had just left. Like, the timeline is way too slender to, to make a good, compelling case for this. So, but she's still like, uh. So, she still is like, decided that it's all Mike. Like, he's apparently got a black Camaro that he's been, that he bought using dirty money that he got from somewhere. She still doesn't know from where. And he's just been doing all this shit. She still doesn't know why. Anyway, um,. So that day there's a pep rally and Mike doesn't show up. Ned's the last person out and he has to make excuses for why Mike's not there. There's floats, there's cheerleaders, probably t-shirt cannons, probably Santa inexplicably, who knows. Probably like half the cast of old school. It's just everyone. Anyway. Um, so Nancy's Todd and Coach Burnett, and she's like, I just need to ask you about this because I've heard this, um, is, are any of your players getting paid to play on the team? And Coach Burnett is like, absolutely not. We would never do that. That is not a thing that has ever been done to, like, the school is not paying them. He says, if somebody else is, then that's happening, but the school is not paying them. And Nancy's like, okay. And she actually fucking feels relieved because she's like, oh, okay, so... Ned did not use money that he accepted it, like, under the table to play for the school to buy me a silver bracelet. Because she's like, oh, where'd you get the money? And he, Ned's like, that's not important. And, like, seriously, the level to which she's like, I just wasn't sure is pretty fucked up. And there's even a point where she's like, Ned, you've got doubts about whether Mike is innocent here, too. And Ned's like, I'm not saying that I don't, but I am saying that I trust him. It's... It's one of those situations where you're like, you're literally inventing this. You're having to make everybody behave out of character to serve the plot for this because you want to reach a certain place at the end of this book, which is fucking irritating as shit. Anyway, so it ends up they're making excuses. Um, the coach is like, no, we've never paid anybody. A security guard comes running in and he's like, uh, one of your players just fell off the roof of the building. And they go out and it's Mike who is on the ground, and you're like, this is reminiscent of the Whitewater Terror episode where Nancy killed Paula, but no, it's, Mike's on the ground, it's, there's some snow on the ground, but it's like a 60 fucking foot drop, and so he's like, clearly miserable, and he's like, I need to talk to Nancy, and Nancy runs over, and he's like, the person you're looking for is, and then the team physician runs out, and he's like, get away from him, we gotta get him on the gurney, get him to the hospital, and Nancy's like, oh, okay, and so she backs off and doesn't hear whatever Mike was going to tell her, like, the person that she needs to talk to to figure out the key to this whole thing. So they all rush to the hospital. Um, Ned is just furious about all this because they're about to have their last game, the one that they have to win, and Mike's in the fucking hospital. So the daughters finally come out, and they're like, okay, so we've got news. And everyone's like, how's he doing? Is he going to be okay? And they're like... 
Yeah, um, he, he's probably going to regain use of his legs. And Ned's like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's going to regain use of his legs. And they're like, he hurt his spine. He broke his leg and he hurt his spine. And, like, we're pretty sure that, like, it's not going to be lasting damage. But, yeah, he he's not going to be playing basketball anymore. And everybody's like, oh, my God. What the fuck? And... Ned, of course, is furious because, like, Nancy's like, well, I tried to talk to him, and Ned's like, why didn't you, like, come talk to me about this? And Nancy's like, because you're being totally fucking irrational about it. And Ned's like, but seriously, whatever he was doing, he wouldn't have been doing if you hadn't gone to him, which, again, is kind of shitty. Like, they're, everyone's making bad decisions. Let's Let's just all own that, okay? But anyway... They have to go play the game. Um, everyone's like, are they going to be okay? Because, of course, um, their co-captain is out and they all have to be worried about him. They're actually doing really well, actually. The crowd is just going wild at all points. And um, Nancy notices that Craig and Andy look kind of concerned. And they're talking to each other and she hears somebody say, it's going to be a push. And she doesn't understand what that means. And then... Craig and Andy actually, like, basically knock Ned over, like, while he's about to do something with the ball, and he's, like, limping off the court. Nancy runs down there because she's so concerned about him, and almost runs onto the court, but the security guards stop her, and um, she hears Ned talking to the physician. He's like, I'm, I have to get an x-ray of your foot before you can play again, and Ned's like, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'll walk it off, and the doctor's like, no, no, we're gonna have to x-ray that foot because this is real, real bad. And Nancy's, Nancy goes back up into the bleachers after Ned's basically benched and she's talking to Bess and George and George is like, I bet the other team is happy. And Nancy's like, because the penny drops. And I'm going to go ahead and say they don't, the book does not tell you. It's very careful to not tell you what she figures out. But when she hears the word bet, she's like, something involving gambling. So she actually goes and calls her father to confirm because she doesn't understand the mechanics of gambling. And I love the fact that in this book, actually, um, it says because Carson is a defense attorney, he doesn't just defend innocent people. He also defends guilty people, which is like this fun Perry Mason throwback thing where it's like, yeah, like defense attorneys defend people who are guilty of what they're charged with. Like that's a thing that they do. So he knows about gambling. Um, so he tells Nancy what he knows about it, and he tells her what push means, which I still don't fucking understand. Um, anyway, so Nancy takes Bess and George with her, and she goes to the team doctor's office, and she sees him in there, and she's like, wait outside, I'll scream if I need you to come in, and they're like, okay. And so she walks in, and she's like, so, um, how does it feel to retire a wealthy man thanks to your gambling ring? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Nancy's like, uh-huh, um, yeah, so you've been running a gambling ring and getting people on the team to do your dirty work. Cool, 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 cool. He actually says to Ned, he's like, I don't want to, this is my last game, I don't want to, to jeopardize anything. Like, yeah, we're, we're gonna do some hard telegraphing, um, so yeah, Nancy's figured out that the practical jokes were kind of to explain why the point spread was so low. Um, apparently, because Emerson is doing fantastic this season, like people when they bet on Emerson, they bet that they're going to win by a certain number of points. And they need to get the number below that number. It's, again, I don't fucking understand gambling, but anyway. Um, push is when the score ends up being the same as the number. I don't fucking understand it. It doesn't matter. Anyway. Um, and also Nancy's like, Vig, short for vigorish, is the commission that you get for bets. And he's like, cool. And those of us reading it at the age of nine are like, good to know. Um, anyway, so... 
Mike was involved because he was also, like, part of the practical joke thing. He made the, the effigy. Like, we all know this. Except for Ned. Um, but Mike was not the driver of the Black Camaro. Like, he wasn't involved in that part of it. So, Dr. Riggs has Nancy write a note to her friends to say, false alarm, please go away from me in the student union. So, she slides that out the door to Bess and George, who then follow her directions of course. Um, and he says, okay, well, I need to just tie up some loose ends. So you're going to hang out here. Um, you know, so he, um, calls in his henchman. This is the guy who's actually been doing the enforcing for him and beating people up all around campus. He comes in after Nancy is chloroformed. I think this is our first chloroform in the Nancy Drew file series. Anyway, he's of course got a bucket of chloroform waiting in his office for reasons. And he, doses her and he's like yes breathe breathe deeply it will work faster which in other books it seems like all Nancy needs is like a whiff of chloroform to just pass the fuck out but in this one it's like oh it's, it's I feel woozy anyway um when she comes to daughter Riggs is gone but Frank the henchman is there and so Nancy's talking to him and she's like oh so how did you get mixed up in all this and he's like oh well I was recruited. I'm a male nurse. So I used to help people, but now I hurt them. <laughs> and you're like, of course you do, you idiot. Anyway, um, he's about to tie Nancy up. And of course she like kicks him in the fucking face and runs out and she can't find her way out. She's also still kind of loopy from the chloroform. So she ends up climbing into one of the parade floats from earlier. Yeah, you forgot about that Chekhov's gun, didn't you? Um, she climbs into one of them, but there's no keys in the ignition, so she has to fucking hotwire it while fucked up on chloroform. And she's like, if I get through this, I'm going to steal all the cars <laughs> to get all the practice that I need. So she hotwires it. She's trying to drive around to get out of there. Frank gets in front of the Jeep. She basically tries to mow him down as he's trying to shoot at her. He jumps out of the way. She ends up plowing through the gymnasium doors and getting out and so the cops who are outside grab him if you were wondering what about the game the game was over at that point there was nobody there nancy was not driving around like mowing down basketball players anyway so bess and george had figured out that nancy was not coming and something was fishy they went back um called ned and campus police over who came to see what was going on um, I think Ned actually went to the hospital to check on Mike and they noticed that Dr. Riggs was in there about to inject Mike with a syringe full of air to give him an embolism, which would then stop his heart, said the book. Um, so yeah, he's been arrested. Um, yeah, Mike's admitted that he was involved in the point that he was. I mean, seriously, though, like, Andy and Craig were dicks for knocking Ned over, so I feel like y'all deserve some time for that. Um, yeah. So, at the end of all this, uh, of all the exposition, like, oh, the bad guys have been caught, everything's fine. Um, Nancy's like, oh, I didn't even know. Did you win the game? And they're like, yeah. But Ned's been injured. Mike is never going to play basketball again, so it's like, yes. But at what fucking literal terrible cost? So. And then, of course, fucking hell, Nancy and Ned go on a walk together. And Ned's like, you should have believed me. Like, I wish that you hadn't confronted him the way you had. Like, he was trying to do the right thing. And, like, you just, it's like you lose sight of any sort of empathy because it's a mystery and you want to solve it and you don't care who you hurt and Nancy of course is like it's not like that I'm not like that and that's like yeah you kind of are like and then she's like oh where did you get the money for the bracelet and that's like okay um I got it lifeguarding I was lifeguarding last summer and I saved up the money to get you a, a bracelet and Nancy's like oh that was that's really sweet of you and that's like yeah, and I can't even give you a bracelet without you asking me how I paid for it. Like, you are, it's really hard to be your boyfriend because you're so fucking independent and any guy could be to you what I am to you. And Nancy's like, that's not true. And that's like, 
look, it's, it's just really hard to support you because you don't really need it. And I just feel like I don't really have a place in your life. And Nancy's like, no, I love you and, and everything is going to be okay. And that's like, I think we should just start seeing other people and we can try to stay friends if that's possible. And Nancy's like, oh my God, don't do this. Don't do this. And that's like, I'm sorry. Bye. And like walks off. And yes, that was the sound of your heart breaking into a thousand pieces. Um, and yeah, she's just standing out there in the snow, just staring after him. And she hears a siren in the distance and she just, for the first time that she can remember, she starts to cry. And that's how the book fucking ends is her just crying because Ned just fucking broke up with her after this hellish case where Ned's best friend was thrown off the roof of a fucking building and they were like, we're pretty sure that he'll walk again. Like, some dark shit. Like, oh my god. Okay, okay. Here's the important thing. My belief and... I mean, there's absolutely nothing to corroborate this. My belief is that Dr. Riggs could not get Ned involved in this scheme, but Ned was the co-captain of the team, and so he kind of needed to make sure that Ned stayed out of it. So my fervent belief is that Ned was drugged, (laughs) which explains his out-of-character behavior, because honestly, like, I'm going to circle back to this, but he acts differently in this book than he acts from any other book in this series. I mean, you could take a lot of the criticism that is aimed at Ned from the mystery stories where it's like, he's just a generic guy. He's just there to like lend a helping hand whenever she needs something or to interpret ancient rock formations because that's his hobby. Like just to be a non-playable character, basically somebody who can give you steps to help you on your quest, but is basically disposable. The complaints that Ned has in this book answer that, but Ned also, there's some really interesting shit going on with the character, honestly, because in some ways, Ned's very much a Carson stand-in, like he's very much a defender of whatever Carson would want in any particular situation, especially in the original mystery stories, where it's like, oh, your father wouldn't want you to do this, oh, you should really be careful, blah, blah. Like, you could make a good case for that. The Files, he's more his own person. He's more doing what he wants to do, more protective of Nancy. He has a much more loving relationship toward her, this book excluded. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of like somebody who's working through their trauma from the original stories by putting some stuff into his mouth that... Uh, uh, and again, you could say that they've been laying groundwork from this from the beginning, but like, there's, it's so weird. The first 10 books of this series are different from the rest of the, the series in like significant ways, honestly. And I would even say like through book 11, 12, even up to maybe like 22, like different, again, so much sports, um, <laughs> so much fucking sports so yeah I mean there's this thing that happened in the on-campus series where they were like oh should Nancy stay with Ned call this 1-800 number and vote which I was like this is total fucking bullshit of course Nancy Nancy should stay with Ned and it feels like at this point in the series that they're kind of flirting with the idea of what would happen if Nancy's dating other people spoiler alert we're gonna find that out next week fuck you um, God. And the thing is that I fucking love angst, but the angst needs to end in banging. And it 100% does not in this book. Like, they could have gone through some shit. So, the story that I wrote that picks up after this book is Nancy basically goes to Ned and she's like, look, I think that possibly you were being drugged so that you would not realize what was going on with the gambling shit. And Ned's like, oh my God. Like, that makes so much sense. And it does. It really does. I love how elegant it is as a solution to this shit. Like, just, oh, I was drugged. Like Mulder in the vampire episode. Um, seriously, oh my god. So, yeah. Uh, 
Ugh. Yeah. That's how this one ends. Um, the next book we're going to pick up with, this is the most hilarious thing ever, as a little spoiler for next week. Um, Ned comes to Nancy to get help on a case because his new girlfriend got involved in some shit. Like, that expression on your face right now is exactly the expression that is on Nancy's face when she sees Ned. He's like, can you help my girlfriend out with something? And Nancy's like, why don't you both roast in hell? (laughs) Which is the proper response, but anyway. So yeah, that's what we're going to pick up next week. (sighs) With my poor, sweet, innocent, drugged up babies trying to move on and as you know, failing, because this arc is, he breaks up with her, they're broken up in the next book, and then they get back together, so, yes, so that's what you have to look forward to next week, so stay sleuthy, my friends.